0: If you look at a 100-year chart, you're talking about phenomenal wealth. In in fact, every dollar put in the American stock market since 1812 is now worth more than $700,000.
1: Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer, with me today. I'm excited to have Lior Gantz. And uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background? You are the founder of the Wealth Research Group. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background, kind of who you are, and what your company does?
0: Sure. Um, So uh, my background when it comes to finances actually has a traumatic start. When I was uh, 13, my father's business uh, went under. And I, uh, I had to, to earn uh, a living, not that we were on the streets or anything, but um, the, the situation was that I was 13. I had my needs and my, my things that I wanted to accomplish. So I started working. I had started um, first babysitting, and then I upsold those parents into letting me tutor their kids in uh, basketball because I was playing basketball, and I was uh, eighth grade and seventh grade, and, and they were first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started paying decks and everything. By the time I'm 16, I have like 20 grand saved up. Mm-hmm. This is 1997, wow. uh, I start. And around 2000, I have this money in the bank. And uh, I'm 16. The banker is like, uh, you know, you're a minor, but if you get your parents to sign a waiver, we can let you trade. And uh, this is June 2000. This is like three months after the dot com bubble bursts. And it's actually a good time to, to begin, uh, uh, you know, investing in equities. Yeah, I do that. So that's how I got into uh, investing. And, and, um, um, I asked him how would I know what to do? So he said, uh, the, like the, the best investors in the world, people like Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, he gave me all these names and I started to look for them and I started ordering the books from Amazon. This is like 2000. Um, and that's how I started to get educated on investing, et cetera, at age 16 um my father's uh, second business third business uh, went under as well and so my my inclining towards investments was fine and then i i also want to learn a lot about entrepreneurship to see what what the hell is going wrong because i'm 23 and you know his businesses uh went under three times so that's how my family's experience in, in business taught me a lot about risk made me obsessive about risk um, around 2016 after You know, after about uh, uh, 16 years in in investing and entrepreneurship, etc., I started uh, wealthresearchhub.com. It's a free financial newsletter. The its its basic idea is to uh, transfer my 16 years worth of experience and whatever I'm doing on a regular basis. So if I'm reading, because I do about four or five hours of reading a day, financial and everything like that, and talking with CEOs, to congest it into an article of five minutes. For uh, people to 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 read um, and, and and basically educate them uh, about what what's happening in the world macro and what's happening uh, more of a, a personalized uh, uh, situation what I'm doing personally for example so that's uh that's a uh, congested of my, my background
1: cool uh, crazy. To think of 13-year-olds, uh, I mean, a lot of people worked when they were, you know, 13, 14, but they they basically worked a, a little bit, and, you know, maybe I had, like, $1,000 in the bank by the time I was 16, you know, and, and I thought that was really good. To do what you did, though, is just pretty impressive, and then to have that situation, and maybe it was actually a blessing in disguise to have your your dad's <laughs> you know, businesses go out. uh, That's how I think of it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were, what are some of the lessons you learned through those? I mean, you know, he went under three times. What are some of the lessons from, from that, that you learned?
0: So Todd, I think uh, one of the things that, that uh, everyone always told me was you work too much. And that's Mm. because I I started working at 13. So my mind is you work, You, you earn every day. You have to earn money. So that's one thing that I developed real early, and it was really hard for me to let go of it, um, of that mentality of, you know, most of my day has to be work. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of balance it out with other stuff. So that's one thing I, I, I tell you, but um, I think the main takeaways for me were I never thought about um, what uh, the government or, or stuff like that would, would, uh, can do for me. I, I, wherever I landed very early on, even at 13, at 16, I started delivering pizzas and um, uh, by 16 and a half. So six months later, I was taking the calls for that uh, pizza place because they saw that I can make the the purchase bigger. So I started earning as a delivery boy, plus uh, um, as, as a salesperson on the phone. I, I, in one shift I doubled my salary, basically. I always thought, how can I do more for for this person who is hiring me and wants to pay me more if I can deliver more, if that makes sense. So um, that has played out a lot in my life, where I I I pitch a lot of ideas, uh, whether I was an employee at, at first in my career and now as an entrepreneur, I just I pitch all the time, uh, just constantly ideas. Most of them not worth anything, but you know, one of them. It, it, it becomes a a good idea and, and something that's applicable. And um I think that's that's one thing. I, I call it personal initiative that that mindset, but you can think of it in any way you like. But the idea is that there's always something that can be done uh to to um expand. So I think that's one thing that's nice um that I can share that's a big takeaway. And the second thing is um I like um to build a relationship where I am the person that's owed and not the person that asks for favors. So I'd like to, I like to deposit with, with context, with, with my network, with everyone as much as I can. So that if I need something, uh, at some particular moment, I, I have credit with other people. Um, so I like that concept a lot. And it has and helped me a lot um, in terms of um, if you can g- uh, get that into your uh, mentality, uh, it, just compensate other people, give them, give them, give them and not ask for anything. Um, I think that's a great advice that I, that I, uh, I can give. And it's something that is worth for me. So. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely. Both, I mean, you know, both of those, you know, how, how can I do more for, for others, right? And, get, and then just giving more than you take. You said you're, uh, when you actually need something, then you've already done so much for everybody else. And so yeah. if, you, if that comes a time where you actually need something, they're more than willing and you're not kind of begging for help all the time. And that's a strong position to be in, definitely. Hi, I'm Matt Jones, and if you're like me, you're looking to grow your real estate business while connecting with others. Well, there's this incredible new virtual experience unlike any other. I'm talking about the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's coming to you online October 22nd and 23rd, and it's not like one of those boring webinars that you find all the time out there. No, this is going to be interactive. You're going to have the opportunity to network and grow relationships with the other attendees as well as with the speakers. If you'd like a free preview, we're going to have a free event on September 2nd over lunch hour. You can sign up today for both events at NREconference.com and use the code DEX, D-E-X, for $50 off. Let's talk about uh, your your um, company and kind of where you're seeing things. Obviously, coronavirus and, you know, the riots, and we got crazy stuff going on in 2020, yeah. and it's been a very interesting year. Um, where are you seeing things? Stock market has played out really interesting in my opinion. Uh and in a lot of people's opinion. Um, you know, real estate, um, you know, just everything is kind of maybe not behaved the way a lot of us thought it would. Uh where are you seeing things and kind of where you know, where do people go?
0: Yeah. Um, so great question. um with regards to the stock market. For example, we have to remember that, for example, the S&P 500 is 500 companies. The NASDAQ 100, which is what people follow, is 100 companies. And, and the Dow Jones is 30 companies. Put together, these are 630 companies, Some most of them multinational. Um, so it, it's not a representation of America, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it, it, most people are not employed by these specific 630 companies. Right. Um, and half of the earnings that they make come from uh, other markets. So Europe, China, uh, emerging market, et cetera. So we have to put that in context. Um, and, and the reason that they are becoming more valuable, in other words, that they're priced very expensively, has to do with three things. One, the alternatives. So in other words, interest rates are zero and uh or next to zero so there are less alternatives in that world for a saver to say okay i don't want to touch equities i just want to make three four five six percent like in the 90s just have um you know the bank paying me money it doesn't work anymore and so and 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 it might not work uh for the next uh, decade or so um so that's one thing that's one reason that makes companies publicly traded companies more expensive to own today because there you're competing if you make 5% in the stock market you're competing with a bond that yields 0.3% etc you're making a fortune so that's one thing second thing is liquidity coming from the federal reserve when you create new currency um, into the system and you allow corporations and hedge funds etc to access that and pension funds and uh, sovereign wealth funds those entities they're Usually, net buyers. So, if they're not buying, they they're holding. But they're they're not the the sort of entities that sell equities. Uh, when you saw the thirty five percent decline in March, that's because people like you and I were 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 panicking out. For example, I'm not sp- saying specifically me, but the public, the retail public, those are the people that sell quickly and then resume, etc. That,
1: emo- that funds, emotional buyer seller. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, a pension fund. Um, almost by mandate is only either in cash or in equities, but they, they don't sell. They they either buy or, or just sit um, with the money that's coming in. So think of that also in your mind and understand that there's always a bid. It's not like in the Great Depression where you saw 4,000 banks fail and there was no pension funds, no social safety net, no uh, uh, FDIC. Um, very different experience. So, the, the comparison between coronavirus and in, in terms of like the impact on the American uh, economic machine and the Great Depression are not to be made. Um, it's a different type of a crisis. Here, we actually told people put your life on suspension for two, three months, etc. And we're still, uh, or the government's still putting restrictions on. So, a uh, different type of crisis. And therefore, I think the real um, problem is yet ahead of us, because some industries are not uh, allowed to recover. A regular crisis, what you you have normally is bad behavior from some segment of the economy. It's over leveraged. So uh, credit contracts, credit contracts, profit contracts, profit contracts, there's layoffs, the stock market goes down, et cetera, et cetera. And then... You get to some sort of a capitulation and then the other way around. So credit expands, uh, profit uh, gets better, uh, companies rehire, stock market goes higher, et cetera. It's easy to come out of it and um, in, in tr- it's simple to come out of it in terms of what to do. This is a, this is a situation where um, the income is what's been lost. People are not spending. They're waiting because they're not confident in what the future holds. And therefore, you have a cash flow prob- a problem. Uh, and, and that's why the government's coming in saying, okay, this much uh, income has vanished. We need to replace it with deficit spending. But that goes on until August. And then what? So the real foreclosures of gyms, of restaurants, of um, you know, uh, sport, uh, sports clubs and, and all the satellite businesses, uh, travel and all the satellite businesses. These are millions and millions of jobs that are going to get lost. And then there's a new term, Todd, that's called right-sizing. Not downsizing, but right-sizing. Meaning, companies have, have uh, been given, um, basically have been told, run the, the biggest experiment of, of your lifetime. Send all your employees home and see how the company runs. So the companies would have never elected to do that voluntarily, but here we have it. And so companies see now, what is it like to have your employees at home? And they see that they have redundancies and people that are, you know, doing the same type of job as the other people. And they're they're simply um, getting more effective and that helps profits, but it it obviously uh, displaces a lot of employees. So I see a lot of issues um, with that. Coming down the road in, in the latter part of the and the second part of the year and into 2021, and then you have elections as well. So it's a big it's a big mess. And here's my big uh, theme for this: It looks like uh, because of the elections and because of uh, of the two polarities between uh, Biden and Trump and, and their camps, it seems like they have no regard for no respect for the for any rules of the game. They're both you know if they see an angle, they go for it, uh, and they don't think about the price that it takes on society to um uh, I, for example, on c n n you see they how they demonize the founding fathers, you know since when is that good to do, and on the other hand, they demonize something else, so you're seeing a situation where this the America is looked at just as an economic machine. Can it recover economically or not? And we don't think about uh, America, the country, or the, US, the United States, the country. The country is in a problematic situation. Um, people uh, have to, in America, in the United States, this is not an ethnic group. This is not uh, like Japan or Portugal or, or uh, Spain, etc. This is not a country that shares a tradition that goes back thousands of years what what makes this democracy democracy work is that is that common values and if you lose that that is a problem so we're seeing lots of situations lots of obstacles uh america has is is, uh uh uh, surmounted all these obstacles in the past but this is to say there are bad times ahead so um, i I don't see a v shaped recovery and we're off to the races again
1: so what do you you know what are you what's your advice for somebody who's wanting you know wanting to invest wanting to continue want to or do you, is just like look just stay still, watch it play out or is it still being active what's what's your advice there
0: okay so obviously uh this is not an advice, right? I'm not a financial advisor or anything, but um, what I'm telling, what I've, I never think that being in cash and waiting for the perfect moment is good because it it, it never, this is not a good, nobody has ever made money staying in cash, right? Mm. So um, what you can do is just uh, within your own circumstances, decide how much cash you need and how much you're willing to uh, to risk. Now, um, equities or stocks, if you go back 100 years, Todd, there is no such thing as a bear market for U.S. equities. Um, if you look at a 100-year chart, you're talking about phenomenal wealth. And in, in fact, every dollar put in the American stock market since 1812 is now worth more than $700,000. So, uh, we go through these patches that we call bear markets or sideways markets, but they last a year, two years, three years, five years. We've never had a situation where American ingenuity has not uh, come back. So even if you buy at a market top, uh, at the 2000, uh, at the peak of the bubble, uh, and you waited, you're still up. So the question is: one, can you wait? In other words, are you 60 and you need the money at 62? Or are you 30 and you need the money at 60? That will make a lot of difference on how much risk you, you can take um, because anything can happen in the short term, but long-term um, stocks are pretty predictable. Uh, the, the American uh, free enterprise system works. The S&P 500 will be worth as a group much more in the future than it is today. Um, so that's question one. Uh, how much risk you're willing to take? That will decide on on how much cash you're willing to invest. And then question two is your expertise level. In other words, are you looking to find specific companies that you believe have uh, a great path ahead of it, or are you going to buy a basket of 500 companies, an index fund? So that's sec- uh, that's second. We have to remember that uh, um, historically the S&P 500 returns about 8% a year, but in the last 100 years, only four years, has the S&P 500 in a calendar year actually closed at 8%. So uh it's like putting one hand in, in hot boiling water, another hand in 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 ice. If you merge them, it's gray water to to be in, but if but each hand is suffering from from burns. And that's because one year the S&P 500 is up 25%, the next year it's down 18, etc. Overall, over the long term, it's 8%. So it's phenomenal and nothing uh come comes close to it in terms of passive investing. Uh but obviously Today, in the last 10 years, Todd, there's been a real revolution how you can invest in real estate. You don't need to run around with a realtor anymore and look for, you know, 100 houses and low uh, lowball them all and find the one. Right. Um, there are great ways today to, even with a few thousand dollars, get involved in real estate and start earning passive income. Yep. Um, uh, recently, in the last uh, few weeks, I've personally made... Um, uh, I've personally invested in debt funds. In other words, uh, funds that uh, what you do is you get exposure to real estate just as a collateral. You're lending money to a fund uh, so they can run a project or so they can um, advance a project and you earn about 10%, eight to 10%. That's that's the going and race today. Um, so that's another uh, important thing to remember. You, and this is without any, Uh, volatility risk. This is a fixed income vehicle. So that's a second thing. Um, A third way to do it is private lending or peer to peer lending. There are several platforms, really easy to do. And then there are crowdfunding for real estate. So literally a thousand dollars, 2000, you can do whatever you want and platforms online. Some of them very reputable and and been working for years and you can invest passive income. I think about six to 8% is the going rate right now you have nothing to do with the real estate itself. In other words, you are are uh, um, pulling with this fund um, and, and they, own, they own real estate. So you own the real estate indirectly, but it's not under your name, obviously. Um, and, and you get the quarterly distribution. So there are many ways to get that cash flow. Um, and what I also love to do, instead of being in cash, I love being in precious metals instead. So if you look at... Uh, the past uh, fifty years. So since the gold standard has stopped um, in 1971, thirty-five dollars used to buy an ounce of gold. That same ounce of gold, same ounce. You you would have put put it in your pocket in 1971 and taken out today. It's the same. It didn't grow. Didn't do nothing. Didn't add value to itself or anything. It's now worth eighteen hundred dollars. If you would have put thirty-five bucks in your pocket in 1971 and would have taken that same $35 out today, you would have seen an almost 80% reduction in your purchase power. Yeah. So I love, instead of being in cash, being in gold or being in uh, silver. I I like to be in it physically. In other words, I like to buy the actual bullion and store it. But there are other ways to do it. So um, for me, if you have a long-term horizon, uh, I love... Precious metals over cash in terms of like uh, my position. Just look at the, at the past uh, twenty years, even since the start of the millennia. Gold was two hundred and fifty an ounce; it's eighteen hundred today. So it's even better than uh, in the past twenty years than the S and P five hundred. That's very um, abnormal for a non-producing asset. It doesn't produce anything no. to outperform a, a producing asset. And and by the way, you can go to wealthresearchgroupcom com forward slash gold playbook if you want to download like a special report on golden invest uh, and silver investing and everything that has to do with that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. A lot, lot of stuff you covered there. And and I, I'm glad that you hit on more than just kind of the, the stock market you hit on obviously metals and real estate and, and just different options that people can can hit on um, real estate's obviously near and dear to our heart. Um, but there's a lot of different options for people. And yeah. I think it was great. It's important that you people understand that you're having your money sit in just cash is not going to take it very far, or not going to take it far at all. So, can can I say
0: something about cash, Doc? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay,
0: cash is um, cash is optionality. In other words, um, if if cash is good, if you believe that the stock market is going to lose ten percent in the next year or 15% the next year, and your cash will erode at 2% because that's inflation, then you're actually gaining in purchasing power compared to somebody who who was held um, uh, stocks. So in other words, cash is always going to be part of my portfolio because I don't want to bet everything on the stock market going up. Um, So that's one thing. Cash is optionality. Cash gives you options. That's the best way to look at cash, but you also have to make what sure you're perc- not.
1: What sorry? percent, what percent is, you said it's part of your portfolio. What percent is cash a part of your portfolio? Um, for, um
0: yeah, so it obviously it changes, but, um, yep. I, I, I don't go below 20% and I don't go about 30%. So it's, it's somewhere in there Yep. all the time.
1: Yep. Cool. Um, I interrupted you so if you had more thoughts uh, continue on that with cash
0: no I, I look the, the bottom line is that all of this talk is only great for somebody who already has money to invest mm. so uh, the main priority for each and every person is to become a more valuable person in their place of work in their business etc before they even think about investing um, but Here's an hybrid, right? Here's what many people are, are looking for, that uh, marriage between I'm broke or I'm young or I don't have a lot and I also want that secondary engine. Study the subject, know it well in advance, and then meet the money people. In other words, our world right now is very much uh, like this. There are, there are people that they have nothing and there are people that have a lot and are looking for ways to deploy it. Mm-hmm. you can have nothing in terms of monetary value but but because books are so readily available and information is so readily available for two thousand dollars, you can probably um, get this the a list of books covered that gives you an an entry into the world of of people of wealth in other words you can go from 0 to 100 very quickly if you're willing in the next 30 days to spend a lot of all of your time basically reading man in one month you're a different person um and so uh, that's that's why i started com because i i think the value of education is enormous in today's age
1: yeah super super valuable obviously i mean people don't people spend so little time an education and then they wonder why they're broke. They wonder why they're not getting ahead. And well, you're not changing because you're not changing. Like yeah. you're, you're not putting in the effort, you have to put in the effort. So uh, I got a couple last questions before we wrap up. What's, a, okay. what's one of the biggest mistakes you've made uh, or bigger mistake you've made and how have you learned from it?
0: In terms of investing, um, I would say falling in love with a, with a thesis And thinking that, because the logic of it is good, that's what's going to happen. So, um, I I don't do that anymore. In other words, right now, even if I if if I subscribe to some uh, thesis, I rather not predict. What I rather do is look at present what's happening and bet on the present. In other words, if I have money today, what's my best option today, and not hey, if this and this happen, if, if Biden gets elected, and then he raises taxes, and then he does this, then that will happen. I, I, I don't do that anymore. Because, you know, it, it just doesn't work. Um, Buffett famously says, any company that hires an economist has one employee too many. Um, and, and the forecaster um, tells you more about himself than about the future. In other words, you would know what his personality is. But it doesn't mean anything about the future. So I like yeah. to focus on what's happening right now and how I can uh, find value and not um, think about the future. And secondly, um, so that that was a huge mistake. That's how I, I, I lost money. And, and, and to exacerbate that, um, not using a stop loss. In other words, thinking, uh, everyone will come around to my thesis. Mm. And so you let that, Investment go down because you're not willing to admit I was wrong. Let me just cut this thing loose and that's it. So right now, what I do is I only allow myself to invest three to four percent in any idea, with a thirty to forty percent stop loss. So in other words, even if I go big and say I'll put four percent of my portfolio in this company, um, which on a let's say on a million dollar portfolio, that would mean forty grand then I would put a 30% uh, uh, stop order on that. So in other words, the most I would lose is $12,000, which is 1.2% of the entire portfolio. And you can live with that, okay? What you can live with is what happened to Bill Ackman, for example, where he he believed in valiant so much that he almost lost all of his billions and his career and his reputation and everything. So um, that's the difference and and that is really key now there's times to be to be a pig right to to say this is money on the floor but it, you have to realize that um, uh, this has to be hedged the worst thing is to have a catastrophic loss because that leaves residue here and then you you're you're you've you're been out of shape now you think everything is 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 uh is going to collapse on you yeah, And you don't want that. It takes time to get rid of that mentality.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great, great advice. I mean, I, I've made that mistake too. You fall in love with the kind of a, a thesis that you've created, that you've made, that sound. It, it makes a lot of sense. And especially in your head, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and,
1: and, then, and then you go with it. You follow it. And sure. it, maybe you don't even lose money. Maybe you just went the wrong direction and the market takes the other turn and, and you lost out on opportunity that if you were
0: yes paying lost attention, time or lost, yeah, uh, lost time. Uh, or 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 just uh underperformed what's happening
1: yep absolutely um what's uh what's a favorite book you've mentioned books that you like to read what's a favorite book uh well, first
0: of all i i if i can um uh my 16 principles that are literally my bible If you go to wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash me, like M-E, you can download them. That's the principles I live by, and I I created them through all the books that I've uh, read. Um, I would say that I read once a month uh, uh, um, the same books over and over. Um, All of the Napoleon Hill books, I just read them over and over. I probably read them over a 100 times. Um, the one that I really like is called The 17 Principles of Success. It's not well known like Think and Grow Rich. Now Think and Grow Rich which is uh, one of the uh, it's the best selling um, personal development book of all times. Um, that is 13 principles directly about material wealth. When he finished that that was 25 years of his life researching. He said some of these rich people some of these billionaires like Henry Ford Um, like uh, Carnegie, like uh, Rockefeller, uh, he he couldn't stand part of their personality. He literally said they're materially the the wealthiest people ever and they know how to make money, but they don't have a great life. And so he created another book called The 17 Principles of Success. And that is like a moralistic success, like in everything. So, and it's not as well famous, but but, uh, I, I would say it's a better book. So I love love those books, Um, Napoleon Hill, if you start with that. And what I love about Amazon is once you click that book, it says customers have also bought this and this and this. So you can just, you can start there. The best investment book I've read um, is The Most Important Thing, Illuminated. That's the name of the book by Howard Marks. And Howard Marks is is a billionaire hedge fund manager. Um, And that is a great book if for a beginner and for um, someone who's been around uh, for a long time and, and needs those, you know, those core principles, uh, sunk in again.
1: Awesome, awesome. Um, last question before I wrap up: What are your three pillars sure. of wealth creation?
0: Um, well, definitely, uh, active income is is by far the one that most people struggle with. Right, um, investing would be really uh not a not a big issue if uh if you would have the income that you want right most people don't have the income but i think that is the first pillar um and that has a lot to do with two things um expertise or specialization in other words if if you can crack uh how to be like the, the most indispensable person in in the company that you work for or in the business that, that you're running. Literally indispensable. Somebody that writes his own ticket, that can demand compensation, that has no replacement. Um, and that takes a lot. Um, takes a lot of thought, a lot of practice uh, at sometimes, but that is the main pillar, in my opinion. Um, and, and what I think um, people are missing is that they initially, when they start out in life, they search for what is an industry that that i know people that make money in instead of what am i good at so um so many people when i was 22 they were saying i'm gonna study law or study this and i said have you ever been to a law practice and, and like saw the day-to-day before you're going to commit your next 40 years to practicing law maybe you hate it yeah. um, and so i think that's the skill and then something that fits you because and that's what most people are missing you see them at their 30s and they say, I, 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 I don't like it. That's why I don't put all my, my energy into it. Uh, but they're so invested in it because they spend like 10 years or 15 years of their lives in it, they, they don't have the, um, the energy to, to, to wash it out and change. So that is, um, uh, I think, the first pillar skill and, and, and to fit and to create the active income. Um, the second pillar, is investing for growth, in other words, cash flow, and the third is investing for preservation, in other words, um, uh, asset classes that tend to um, be inversely correlated with these growth assets, such as precious metals, such as um, you know other things that that we cover um, that uh, help you in times where the stock market is down, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. These are up actually, so having that combination. So preservation plus growth.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Lior, how how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about uh, what you got going on? You've given us uh, your website, wealthresearch.com and then uh, the, the link uh, forward slash me. Uh, how else is there any other ways they can get you? Or is that the best way?
0: So it, it's wealthresearchgroup.com. Wealthresearchgroup, um, sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so that, that in the homepage, you can subscribe to the newsletter. That's literally the best, uh, uh, our best service. That, that's how we, we communicate. Um, if you go to the website and, and you see on the top menu, there are um, a couple of, of uh, tabs which might be of interest. One is called Special Reports. That's literally like a library hub of many uh, PDF downloads uh, on many topics that you can freely download um so that's that's the other way that i that i would say is a great way to get started we also have a youtube channel obviously with a lot of interviews um we constantly interview great people just wrapped up an interview with uh, robert kennedy jr for example um so you know many myriad of people i, I like interviewing uh, all sorts of uh individuals awesome
1: Awesome. Well, we'll put those, that in the show notes. Uh, any last words you want to leave our uh, audience with? No, we're good. Awesome. Well, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining Thank you us. Thank for having me.